Well, it is amazing to be able to gather together again. Um, we are continuing our series going through the book of Matthew. Um, we're currently in the Sermon on the Mount, and I think we're probably due to finish the Sermon on the Mount by the end of 2024, at the, yeah, at the current pace. Um, the last few weeks we've been looking at what's known as the uh, antitheses of Jesus. Um, so it's these series of uh, Old Testament laws that he's contrasting. So he starts by saying, you know, you have heard it said, but I say to you. Uh, it's a series of seven of these um, antitheses. And today we're looking at the sixth one, which is on making vows and oaths. So it's a very short passage. I'm going to read it. Uh, so it's from Matthew chapter 5. Verses 33 to 37. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. Sounds like some pretty strong words um, from Jesus, which his words are often strong. But this is a, a trap that we find ourselves in, trouble that we find ourselves in from time to time. You know, we, we use religious language to puff ourselves up or to make ourselves sound more trustworthy, um, to make ourselves sound more important. You know, we, we, we offer to pray for people that then sometimes we don't do it or we have no intention of doing it sometimes. I know I've definitely fallen into that trap. You know, we, we break our vows in marriage. We break promises to families. Um, part of life it's part of the human story and a part of my story growing up for 27 years i belonged to the salvation army which is a, a denomination Woo-hoo, me too. Oh, really? i say I'd, I'd been attending the army since i was in my mum's womb um yeah we, we left at the end of 2019 and it was great singing How Marvelous because uh, it's a common hymn that we would sing in the army and granted we would sing it at about 200 beats per minute. I was ready to start clapping in celebration. But you should have told us. <laughs> didn't know we were singing it. So. No defense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was such a significant part of my upbringing and for those who are familiar with the Salvation Army, um, to become a full, what would be a fully baptised member into that church, they have a, a thing called soldiership. So don't practice baptism. Um, so if you've ever been to a Salvation Army church, it can be a very confronting experience for a new person. Um, you walk in and it's just a sea of uniforms because uh, it's a part of membership. And I grew up in a very, what would be considered a traditional Salvation Army church. There were lots of retired ministers there. And so often if you were a visitor, you were the only person in normal clothes which, you know, being removed from it now sounds really weird. Um, but it was this, 
I don't know if they would give it this language, but being removed from it, there was this real sort of religiosity to it. Um, you know, you would go through this process of what would be the equivalent of pre-baptismal classes, and then you would have your enrollment, which is where you have a big celebration, and you would sign a document known as the Articles of War, or the Soldier's Covenant. And I'll just read a few of these to you. These are all really good things, by the way. Um, so, I will be responsive to the Holy Spirit's work and obedient to his leading in my life, growing in grace through worship, prayer, service, and the reading of the Bible. I will uphold Christian integrity in every area of my life. I'm not going to read through all of them, but just some of them. I will uphold the sanctity of marriage and of family life. I'll be a faithful steward of my time and gifts, my money and possessions. I will abstain from alcoholic drink, tobacco, the non-medical use of addictive drugs, gambling, pornography, the occult, and all else that could enslave the body or spirit. I'll be true to the principles and practices of the Salvation Army, loyal to its leaders, and I'll show the spirit of salvationism, whether in times of popularity or persecution. And then, of course, you call upon all the people present to witness you entering into that covenant. So I became a soldier at the end of 2011. And it was a really interesting period in my life because, uh, you know, it was a couple of years removed from my uncle committed to committing suicide. I had... Um, had a pretty unhealthy relationship in high school that had ended, and I just felt really lost in life. Um, and so I was seeking it in other things. And so while it was a helpful mechanism for me to make, it was a covenant or an oath or a vow that I knew deep down I probably couldn't fully adhere to. Um, but I still signed the articles anyway. And you might be asking, well, you know, if you couldn't adhere to it, why, why did you do it? And I think with soldiership in particular, and when you grow up in a church like that, you just want to fit in. You know, this, you know, like, this is the tribe that I want to belong to. Um, and so you get caught up in, the, in the, what I would call like the religiousness of, of a denomination so that I could belong and to fit the mold. So while I was genuine in wanting to make my commitment, I knew I couldn't do it. Um, and that's obviously where grace comes in. But th like this is the tension that we find ourselves in. Like, why do, we, why do we make these promises, make these vows, make these oaths, and often shape them in this religious language? Um, you know, we do it to fit in, to make ourselves appear different than we are, to want to impress someone else or to please someone else, to manipulate others into getting our own way. And of course, we only need to look at the recent history of the church. Um, to see how the use of religious language has been abused to commit some of the worst abuses in history. Well, think about those times when you want to say no to someone or to something, but you, you actually say yes. You know, in the words of the great prophet uh, Justin Bieber, um, there's a song called What Do You Mean? When you want to say, uh, when you nod your head yes, but you want to say no, when you want to go left, but you go right, what do you mean? <laughs> It's really deep. It is really deep. And, you know, in those times when, when we say yes, but actually mean no, you know, if someone asks us to do something, you know, I know for me personally, I end up doing that thing sort of half-heartedly. Um, or in the past, I've definitely done it with the intention of bailing on it later, just because I didn't want to hurt the person's feelings at the time. Are we truly giving ourselves, like, truly giving our full selves over to that thing or to that person if we do not genuinely mean it. And I think this is what Jesus is getting at in the passage I just read. Vows, oaths, promises, a serious business. 
and we should take them seriously because Jesus takes them seriously. And from what I just read, it does seem on the surface that Jesus is against promising anything, but I don't think that's quite the whole story. So this is the, um, the sixth antithesis of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And basically what Jesus is doing and, and what, how Matthew has presented Jesus is that, and as we know, Jesus is the true interpretation of God's will and the true interpretation of God's will. So what Jesus is doing is he is interpreting God's will to the contrast of the previous understandings, the previous legal scholars. And so as we've seen from the last few weeks, Jesus is calling to us in adherence to these laws is not to the letter of it, but to a higher principle. And that high principle being that of the kingdom of God. It's not a, not a new law, but a new way to live under his lordship and his kingship and as citizens of his kingdom. And that, of course, is what the whole Sermon on the Mount is all about. It's what life looks like in this new kingdom with our allegiance to Jesus. And like contracts today um, and other legal documents, vows and promises during this time were serious business. They, they invoked the name of God as the Old Testament required them to do. And so they invoked the name of God and usually involved a pledge to offer some sort of sacrifice or to pledge some sort of abstinence. And of course, you know, many of the legal scholars in ancient history felt that oaths and vows were only binding if they invoked the name of God or the names of God. So this is what Jesus is getting at. People start to get a bit creative, looking for loopholes. Um, looking for ways out of it. And that's kind of what happens when you're trying to follow the letter of the law. Well, I'm following it by the letter, but you're not necessarily following it by the heart, which is obviously the main point of what Jesus is getting at. And and this was a big problem in ancient ancient history because we know from sources outside of the Bible of people making these oaths with the intention of breaking them um, and to going against what they promised. And so they were saying things like, oh, I vow to do this under heaven or by the earth. But they had no intention of actually following through on those oaths and had the intention to deceive others or break that vow. But they still seemed pious and religious doing so. Um, So I guess make it sound like they were taking it seriously. Of course, Jesus in his true interpretation of the will will of God contrasts to this All of the above ways around Jesus argues, all of those things fall under God anyway. So you're still making a promise under God's authority. And so you have to answer to him. And so what Jesus expects of his disciples is that as citizens of the kingdom, that they should be people of integrity. You know, when asked to agree to something, their word should be so truthful and dependable that a simple yes or no should suffice. Anything further said than that, with the intention to deceive, is considered evil. And so, you know, it's pretty serious wording. And so making vows and oaths and promises, they're not wrong, and that's not what Jesus is saying. Because we see later on in Matthew that Jesus is, well, he does take an oath uh, just before he's crucified when he's giving, uh, when he's been brought to the court. And so we, we can't avoid taking oaths and vows because they're everywhere. 
I mean, even getting a driver's license, you're essentially making a promise to obey the road rules and to keep everyone safe. I know I speed on occasion. Um, but Jesus is, is speaking against those who are not being honest in their dealings in the first place. And as I said earlier, what it comes down to is that it is a heart issue. And I think uh, Eugene Peterson in the message captures sort of the essence of this passage really well. Uh, So his sort of translation of it says this, and don't say anything you don't mean. This counsel is embedded deep in our traditions. You only make things worse when you lay down a smokescreen of pious talk saying, I'll pray for you and never doing it, or saying, God be with you and not meaning it. You don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lace. In making your speech sound more religious, it becomes less true. Just say yes and no. When you manipulate your words, or when you manipulate words to get your own way, you go wrong. And so in the kingdom, as citizens of the kingdom, as disciples of Jesus, we are expected to live with integrity. If Jesus is Lord, then that should have a radical impact on the way we live our lives. And the way we live our lives should confirm the reliability of our words. So when someone asks us to do something, if we want to do it, say yes. If we don't want to do it, say no. Boundaries are really important in life, and Jesus doesn't expect us to be pushovers and just say yes to everything. But I think from this passage, what he wants of us is to be sure in our decisions and be confident in our our decisions, to have the integrity and to have the honesty to say our truth, yes or no doesn't even say we need to come up with an excuse. If it's a no, it's a no. If it's a yes, it's a yes. You might hurt people's feelings. That's okay. And that's the grace of the gospel, that we, we don't need to... Like, grace is to live in freedom. And to live in freedom is to live in the integrity... To, be, to have integrity to live in our honest truth. So we don't need to keep using pious language to manipulate, to impress, to fit in. We have the grace to do what is right and we can trust God with the outcomes of whatever that response would be. Equally on the other side, if we ask someone to do something, don't need to use religious language to try and manipulate them into into doing it. If you feel it's genuinely the Spirit leading you, then maybe say, hey, I feel like the Spirit's leading me to ask you this. Give them some time to think about it. Um, and sit and let them pray and, and think over it. If it's not, just ask them directly what you want. Hey, I'd like you to come and mow my lawn. Do you want to? Don't ask me because I'll probably say no. But if they if they say yes, great. And if it's a no, respect their no. When each person is honest in their intentions, we are free to trust each other. Now, that all sounds easier said than done. I recognise we are all human. Like I said, I've, I've, I, I signed a covenant and I didn't adhere to it. Um, you know, we, we aren't perfect, but the beauty of, of the grace of God, like I said, is that we are free to live in, the honest, in, in our honest truth and, and to trust God with the results. Because as we sang in that song, he is the ultimate promise keeper. So we can always count on God coming through for us. Doesn't expect perfection. 
And so, you know, as part of my upbringing in the Salvation Army, as some of you know my story, I went through a discipleship school, um, which is a nine-month program. And me and my roommates, when we felt one of us wasn't being entirely honest or um, had a blind spot or, you know, trying to weasel our way out of something, we'd just ask a simple question. How is your integrity? And so I guess I want to ask you the same question today. How is your integrity? Not as a, as a condemning, manipulative question, but in the sense of are you living in the freedom and grace to be true to yourself, to be free of the expectations, to be free of the need to fit in, to be free to try and puff yourself up, to make you sound better, free from trying to impress and resting in, in, in the faith and the trust that God is the ultimate promise keeper, that he will come through um, and to trust him with the outcomes. Yeah. So you have the integrity to say yes and no when you truly mean it. Because the kingdom is all about living in freedom, to live honestly and truthfully. So let's do that. And I was racking my brain on, you know, what can we do as a reflective exercise? And, you know, oh, how could I... And I realized, oh, maybe I'm just trying to manipulate people into praying. <laughs> so I'm just going to let you sit with that. Um, if you feel you need to sit with that. Um, and, yeah, so I'll, I'll pray for us. And then I think Claire's going to come up and share something. And then we're going to pray about some stuff.